Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. The Discovery Channel, so don't don't get nervous. All right, uh, I just noticed that for uh, as you begin to read through the Word, you you discover that uh, over 500 times more than any other animal, the animal that we want to talk about this morning uh, is mentioned. In fact, uh, the, the animal we're going to mention this morning was so common and so ingrained in the culture and the society of the Bible days that they understood. Because if, if you go Old Testament to New Testament and you begin to read, you see this same animal mentioned and comparisons drawn and illustrations made uh, using this animal. They understood the connotation. So this is what happens. Jesus arrives and we, we recognize uh, in, in our society, we kind of understand when Jesus is described the lion of the tribe of Judah we go, mm, I like that, man. He's a lion. He's strong. He's brave, right? Nobody? Okay. I kind of like the lion deal, man. I, I, I'm glad he didn't say he's like he's, he's, like he's the puppy, you know, uh, right? He's the lion. Okay, so we like that. But the children of Israel in the New Testament, Old Testament, they understood that he was the lamb of God. They were so familiar with the concepts of uh, of shepherd and sheep that they they instantly understood. Now, there's something that happens in us. I don't understand this exactly, but uh, we don't understand shepherd and sheep. And, and how many of you grew up on a sheep ranch? Just raise your okay. Did you really? Oh wow! Okay, you. All right. Tyler, will you bring me down just a little bit? I'm killing myself. I don't know if I'm killing them, but I'm killing myself. Um, So we don't understand that. Shepherd and sheep. But there's something in us when we encounter Jesus that uh, it resonates. So this is what happens. The passage of Scripture we're going to read today resonates so strongly that it is one of the most familiar and famous passages of all the Bible. In fact, sinners know this passage, and most of them can quote it. It's so familiar that they use it in funerals. Almost every funeral you ever go to, whether they read it or they print it on the program, it's used. Because there's something in us that resonates with this truth. Now, here's my problem. It resonates, but we don't understand it. And so, since we don't understand it, we don't live sheepishly. Okay, y'all, I had you till then. And then I'm convinced that it... Since we don't understand it, we read it and it resonates, but we don't apply it to our daily life. And so then we discover and find ourselves in some woolly situations. I'm, I had to. I know. I had to. Bad pastor. See, I had to get that one out of the way too. I had to. I've been waiting for months, a whole month. I haven't preached to y'all in a whole month, and I've been waiting on that one right there. Okay, so so I want us to dive into this this uh, this passage and I want us to become sheepish again. Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After John 3.16, this is probably one of the first passages of Scripture you ever memorized. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The truth is, is that this psalm uh, is really more about the shepherd than it is about us. Right? It's really about what he does for us. We're going to talk about that next week, about our shepherd. Because let me tell you where I am in, 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 when you begin to read this passage. Where I've come, to, the conclusion I've come to is that although it is about the shepherd, it is also about you. He, okay, y'all are slow. I, you. All right, I waited on that one for a month too and I didn't get no help. All right, we're going to go and do it anyway. All right, so it's about you. So um, I think it's really important for us to understand and start from this, this perspective of a you as a sheep that, that until we gain a you view, then our perspective is skewed. Um, I want you to notice the perspective of the author. When the author begins, he begins with these words. The Lord is my shepherd. And that is about the shepherd, but it also demonstrates to us and shows us that he had the perspective of his own life that he was a sheep. It says the Lord is my shepherd, but that psalm could have technically begun like this. I am a sheep. Because his perspective was that that's who I am. And because I am a sheep, I recognize my own need for a shepherd, we have spent, uh, when, when you go back to 2007 when we began, and I, and I begin to think about the messages that we've, we've de- dealt with and the conversations we've had, how many of you would agree that we have talked a lot about perspective? Perspective is paramount. You have to have the right perspective. And so it is important for us to understand that the bottom line perspective that we must have about ourselves is that we are sheep. Because if you don't see yourself as a sheep, then you will begin to think you are a shepherd. Okay. All right. So here's the dilemma. If you are a sheep, but you think you are a shepherd, then this is what happens. You can find your way. You can stumble by accident into green pastures. But how many of you know that if you think you're a shepherd and you don't rely on the shepherd, although you might find some green pastures, it usually takes you longer to find them and you don't get to stay as long. I'm preaching right now and some of y'all looking at me like I'm crazy because you think you've got it all together. I also know this. If you're, if you, if you don't see yourself as a sheep that when you come into the valley of the shadow of death without a shepherd in your life, you will stay there longer than you were supposed to. And here's the deal. You can get out. But what I've discovered is this, is if you're not careful, you will begin to pull death with you. All right. So we've got to have this understanding that we are, in fact, sheep. And so my simple question to this, this morning as we begin this entire examination of Psalm chapter 23 is a very simple question, but it's one we need to wrestle with. What we need to ask ourselves is this question. Are you a sheep 
or are you a shepherd? You have to have the right perspective. I, I, I know that this, this perspective is so important, and here's why. Because when sheep try to be shepherd, we want, and then our want leads us to wonder. Okay, that was good. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, you've got to get with me on this because you've got to understand that this is true in all of our lives if we're not careful. If we as sheep try to be shepherd, our want will begin to cause us to wonder. Is anybody here today? Okay, I just want to make sure. I hope you're thinking. Because haven't you seen that happen in so many people's lives? They, 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 they start out in this relationship with Jesus and they're walking along as sheep and then all of a sudden after about, oh, I don't know, two, three years, they think they've got it all together because they can quote the same scriptures everybody else can quote and they know when to worship when everybody else worships and they know when to raise their hands when everybody else raises their hands. They've got it all together and they, they, there's this shift that takes place in their own life and they begin to believe that they got there by themselves and they, they worked it all out, all on their own, and that Jesus really didn't have that big of a part on it. I've always been this clean. I've always been this holy. I've always been this good. And then what happens is this. We begin to want. And our wants lead us to wonder. Come on now. I'm going to get really basic. How many of us have seen people that wanted a different spouse? Nobody knew it. They were in the privacy of their own bedroom on their computer, but because they wanted a different spouse, they begin to wonder. How many of us wanted a different job, even though God had assigned us to the one that we were in, and it causes us to wonder, and then we get the new job, and we're no longer satisfied, and we want to point our fingers at God and say, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that to me? And he goes, I didn't have nothing to do with that. You did that on your own. Okay, all right, now, uh, we begin to want, I want, I want, I want more than I need, I want, I want, I want, and all of a sudden, out of our want, we wonder. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So we've got to become sheepish, sheepish again. So, so we need to understand this, not only do sheep need a shepherd, shepherds need sheep. This is a two-way street. Uh, a shepherd needs that. So this basic fundamental identity that we've got to grasp in our own life, in our own relationship with God, is that we are sheep. Sheep. So I've come to this conclusion. Most of the time, we are very comfortable with this idea. The Lord is our shepherd. We're comfortable with that. I can get up here all day and pray, the Lord is our shepherd. And we'll go, oh, yeah, man, I like that. Amen. But can I submit to you this morning that this truth right here, until he becomes my shepherd, I am not sheepish. He, the, the author says the Lord is my shepherd. Over and over again in the Psalms, David speaks for the entire nation. But he's not speaking for the entire nation now. He's speaking for himself. He says the Lord, he is my Shepherd, And I want to challenge you this morning. It's not enough for the shepherd to be the shepherd of Passion Church. You've got to come to grips with this concept right here. And you've got to ask yourself this question. Is he my shepherd? Have I elevated him to being the shepherd of my life? See, now, how do we know? How do we know whether or not we have the perspective of a sheep? How do we know whether we've elevated Jesus to my shepherd? I can answer that for you. We can. We know we've done that when... Okay, this is going to get tight. When Jesus can make us do stuff, 
Okay, y'all missed it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Okay, so let me just help you this morning. You will know whether or not you have the right perspective as a sheep about whether Jesus can make you do anything. Because the validation of lordship is obedience. You missed that. That was, that was worth an amen by somebody. <clears throat> Don't do it now because it's too late. <laughs> obedience is the validation of lordship. You know whether or not you have the right perspective as a sheep by whether or not you obey. Okay, I knew it was going to get tight. That, that's, that, that, that takes us beyond just running to an altar and spending some time and then getting up and going and do what we want to do. That's not lordship. He's not my shepherd if I do that. that that's not a singing, all I have is yours, and then picking it all back up and taking it and do what you want to do with This is about he makes me. Can Jesus make you do anything? Because I'm worried that if we were honest, there's some of us in this room that Jesus can't make us do nothing. Like He can't make us tithe. He can't make us worship. He can't make us serve. He can't make us obey. He can't make us lift our hands. He can't make us shout. We, 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 we say we're sheep, but He can't make us do anything. Listen, I, w- I want to say, to, say to this, this to you this morning. There, there are way too many of us that are living our life in such a way, and we talk like sheep, but we don't act like sheep. So Jesus comes into this, onto the scene of our life, and he says, I want you to do this. And our, when Jesus gives a command, it should be yes, sir, no, sir, no negotiations, even if it makes me uncomfortable. But we balk, and we don't act like sheep. So this is what happens. Many of us reveal that we aren't very sheepish because we will follow as long as he leads us by green pastures and still waters. But the moment his rod or his staff come out, we don't like it. I'm trying to help you this morning. Okay. I'm just trying to get a grasp of what I'm seeing from y'all. Some of y'all don't like this. Because this is how it's supposed to work. I didn't want to forgive, but he made me. I didn't want to be nice. Oh, come on, don't y'all look at me. I know some of y'all pretty well. Some of y'all don't want to be nice. I don't want to be nice half the time. But you know why I am nice? Because he makes me. There are sometimes I wish he wouldn't make me. I know Darren, Darren looking at me, pointing. We know each other well, Darren. There were some times I wished he would let me say what I want to say on Facebook. Because there are some stupid people on Facebook. I didn't say you were stupid. I said there were some stupid people. I get to decide who they are, and then I don't get to respond. Because he makes me. Okay, it's just me. I didn't want to wait. I don't know about what your life is like, but I don't like to wait for nothing. I didn't want to wait. I'm not the most patient individual. Don't you, amen. I'm not the most patient individual in the world. But sometimes he makes me 
wait. I didn't want to give. But obedience is the validation of lordship. And so he makes me. You ought to have some he made me do it moments. We want to say the devil made us do it all the time. That's not my issue this morning. That's not even my question. My question is, what is the Lord, the shepherd? What is he making you do? Because there are some of us sitting in this room that I, and some watching over the Internet, and we welcome you, but I'm concerned for some of them too because he can't even make some of them get up. And we want them here. And it's a great tool. But what if he's saying you need to be connected to a body in person? What if he's saying there's a body of believers established somewhere that I have an assigned place for you and they need you there and you need them? And we go, no, I I can do this from home. Okay, it's quiet in here. Um, I've been taught all my life that the Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he is. And he won't make you do anything. But we're not talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about Jesus. And if the Lord is my shepherd, then he has the right to make me do stuff. Why? Because he cares about me. He's more committed to my character than he is my comfort. So he will force me to do things I don't want to do because it's for my good. Okay, all right. So, okay, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. There are some of you that don't even want to come to church, but it's for your good. It's for your good. Okay, I'm going to move because y'all are nervous now. I just want to remind you that the shepherd owns the sheep. Am I right? Okay. So we recognize that, that, that the shepherd owns the sheep. Some of, that's, that doesn't work vice versa. We don't own Jesus, our shepherd. The shepherd owns the sheep. Some of us, our perspective is like this. We're so messed up in our perspective because we've been taught this way. We, we walk around and we talk about, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. Jesus wasn't lost. He found you. He searched for me. Not only did he search for me, he purchased me. I was a slave. I was a slave to sin. And he gives his own life and his own blood. He dies on a cross to purchase me. I've been bought with a price that I would never be able to pay. He purchased me. Therefore, if he purchased me, he owns me. And how many of you also recognize that the owner has rights? I'm owned. And the owner has rights. Not vice versa. And in American Christianity, we have jacked this thing up so bad that it's all become about our rights. And so we begin to act like we're the shepherd. But the sheep are owned by the shepherd. We are owned. That's why Jesus says in John about himself, he says, I am the shepherd and the sheep Hear my voice. We stop right there. They hear my voice and they follow. You missed it. They follow. You drive cattle. You lead sheep. 
And this is what American Christianity has done to us that we're trying to combat right here and become sheepish again. We have come to the conclusion that we are leading Jesus around rather than Jesus leading us. So this is what we do. I will marry who I want to marry, and then I will pray, Jesus, I want you to get involved in the equation after the fact and fix what I've done. I will buy what I want to buy, and then after the fact, once I realize I've done more than... Because, see, if you're the shepherd, you are also responsible for for provision. And now you recognize you're not the shepherd, and you can't provide for what you just purchased. And so now we go, Jesus, I need you to come along and pay off what I just bought. That's American Christianity. But the the Christianity of the Bible is this. The shepherd leads the sheep, and we follow his voice, and we go after him. Not the other way around. Some of us just keep asking Jesus to come along and clean our mess up when if we would have asked Him to lead us in the first place, we wouldn't have any... We we want to sing, I did it my way. And Jesus is sitting there going, wait a minute. It's not supposed to work that way. You're supposed to do it my way. Okay, all right. If you don't have the right perspective, then you become responsible for provision. And I see more and more people who have this ability to talk sheepishly, but have no ability to live sheepishly. Sheep don't lead. Shepherds lead. Sheep don't choose. Shepherds choose. That that forces us as believers to pick up and to embrace an entirely different way of living instead of us trying to push Jesus into what we want Him into, we just listen to Him and we follow Him. We know His voice and we follow Him. I'm going to say that again. We know His voice and we follow Him. The Lord is my shepherd. Are you proving that by whether or not you are following? Let me get out of your way. The last thing I'll say to you, I haven't been in the pulpit with you for a month, so uh, I'm, it's, t- it's time I make up a new word. So um, I know you're struggling. I am convinced that our contentedness is linked to our shepherdness. I know that's not a word. But that doesn't make it any less true. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That, that, that idea of not wanting is not about having all of our desires met. The reason the author can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is not because everything he's ever wanted he got. It is the reason that he can say, what he's saying is, the Lord is my shepherd, so now I'm content. That is a foreign word to just about everybody in this room. Let's be honest. Being content is a foreign word to just about, in fact, can I be bold, to everybody in this room. Because if it wasn't, then we wouldn't care that when we got the house that we can't even... I mean, there's like two of us in a 5,000 foot square... I know nobody in here in a 5,000 foot square... Okay, uh, let's get real. A 3,000 foot square house. 
square foot house. And, and, and like you don't even see each other except 15 minutes each day because one of you is on one side of the house and one's on the other side of the house. And then you only meet when it's time to eat. And then you never see each other again because the house is so big. It's just the two of you. And you're like, I need one of those houses. That house is bigger. That one's got more room. It's got a bigger swimming pool. It's got a bigger yard. It's got a bigger garage. I drive a nice car. A car gets me from point A to B. Doesn't matter how much it costs. It does the same exact thing. It gets you from A to B. But it's getting me effectively to A to B. Now, I'm not talking if it's breaking down. I'm talking about it gets you to A to A to B. No problems. And all of a sudden, i got to have a bigger one because my neighbor just got one and it had like one button mine didn't have because it's a year newer. And some of y'all are going, that's not my life, okay? Then let's get to where you're at. I have a phone. It makes the call. But because they just put a new one out, and the buttons move when you, then I gotta, I gotta go, I gotta go like mortgage my whole future and my children's future on the new phone. It's like, it, it really is. It's an eighth of an inch bigger than the last one I had. Wanna see? Come on. We want. We're not content. David said that our contentedness is linked to whether or not we are being shepherded by the Father, by the Lord, by Jesus. Our own want reveals our lack of perspective. I'm almost done. Listen to me. In Jeremiah 50, verse 6, there's a powerful passage of Scripture where Jeremiah the prophet is describing the condition of the children of Israel. I want you to hear. Listen, listen. If you don't get anything else, listen to what I'm saying right here. This This is what the prophet says. Listen to what he's saying. He says, my people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They Listen to this. They have forgotten their resting place. That's a powerful statement. They have forgotten their resting place. Then he goes on in the very next verse and he says this. Everyone who met them took advantage of them. Their enemies had no qualms. Fair game, they said. Notice that without the right shepherd, the sheep lose their resting place. And because the sheep don't know a shepherd, they become fair game. They become vulnerable to the enemy. And what the enemy does, isn't this true? The enemy attacks and capitalizes on their want. Now, listen, I'm not trying to take Scripture out of context. I understand what Jeremiah was saying. He was literally talking about the kings of that day were leading the children of Israel astray. And he was calling them shepherds. I recognize that Jeremiah was literally addressing the fact that the priests or the preachers of that day were leading them astray. But may I submit to you this morning that that same passage of Scripture could be said today because we have become our own shepherds. We have become our own shepherds. So now it's about my truth and my opinion and my standard and what I'm comfortable with and nobody else can tell us what to do, human or God. And so the same statement could be said about us now that Jeremiah said about them then that we are now lost because we've lost our resting place. 
Jesus came into contact with people like that all the time. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, the Bible says this. He says, he saw the multitudes and he was moved by compassion because they were faint and scattered like sheep with no shepherd. Are you getting this? If you don't have a shepherd, you can't be content. And if you're not being shepherded by somebody, by, by Jesus, then your, your lack of contentedness will reveal itself in your want. And then your want will lead you to wonder. And now when you read Jeremiah and you connect it to Matthew, what you see is this. The writers say that if you begin to wonder, it, if you don't have a shepherd, it will be, cause you to begin to wonder. You will grow faint and you will lose your resting place. And the last part is this, and you will scatter. How many of you in your own personal life, you would say right now, I feel scattered. I feel faint. I feel like I'm wandering. If that's you, that can be directly linked to the fact that you're not in relationship with my shepherd. The key today is this. You can only have a shepherd if you first choose to, to, to view yourself as a sheep. And I just want to ask you this morning, what's your perspective in life right now? Do you feel like you're in charge? Do you have any relationship with my shepherd? Is he our shepherd but not your shepherd? Because if that's the condition of your life, then it's, not, it's just a matter of time. You will begin to wander. You will begin to faint. You will begin to scatter. You will lose your resting place. That is a powerful statement. You will lose your resting place. Will you do this with me this morning? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Father, this morning, what I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to help us examine our own life. This is not about our church. This is not about our church. This is about my relationship with you individually. This is about whether or not I have a relationship with you that is described and lived out as shepherd and sheep. Whether I can say with assurance that the Lord is my shepherd. That is revealed in what I want. That is revealed in what I want and how content I am. So this morning, Father, I pray this. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would help each and every one of us come to a decision in our own life where we will view ourselves properly, that we are sheep. Help us to be sheepish again. Help me to come back to that place where I recognize I don't have this all together. In fact, I never did. If it wasn't for you, If it wasn't for the fact that you bought me with a price, I would be lost. Father, this morning I repent and I ask that each of us in this room and watching over the internet, we would repent of trying to be shepherds when you've called us to be sheep. We are the sheep of your field. Help us with our perspective this morning, I pray. Help us with our perspective this morning, I pray. May we come to this place where we can say with assurance, the Lord is 
my shepherd. And because he is my shepherd, I shall not want. And Father, I pray that we would begin to validate that by this simple fact, we would begin to obey. Whatever you say that we should do, we will do it. We will prove your lordship by our obedience. I ask you to do this. Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. If you're here this morning, you say, Steve, I can honestly say that I have not made Jesus my Lord. I know about him. I've heard about him. But I have not made him my Lord. And I want to come to that place this morning in my own walk and in my own life with him where I establish the right perspective. The Lord is my shepherd. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? You can pull it right back down. We won't embarrass you. I just need Jesus. I need Jesus to become the Lord and the shepherd of my life. Is there one that would say, that's me? I need him. Now, would you all do this with me? Because I think we can all respond to this this morning. If I ask you this, if you can say, Steve, I haven't let him be the shepherd in my life to the degree that he wants to be, and sometimes he can't make me do nothing. If that's you, would would you join me as I raise my hand this morning? And say, I need, yeah, I thought so. Father, this morning I pray you'd look around and you would see these repentant sheep, myself included. We desire to be surrendered to you. We repent this morning that we sometimes take charge and sometimes take control. When we know that we can't pull this off by ourselves. I pray this morning that we would all repent and we would come back to this sheepish place in our life where we begin to follow rather than trying to lead. We would become very familiar with the voice of the shepherd and we would follow. And Jesus, we make this deal with you right now. If you say yes, then we will obey. If you say no, we will obey. We will prove your lordship by our obedience in every relationship every financial decision, every word that comes out of our mouth, every attitude, every desire will be guarded and bathed in obedience. So when I don't want to be nice, I'll let you make me be nice. And when I don't want to give, I'll let you make me give. When I don't want to share, I'll let you make me share. When I don't want to have compassion, I'll let you make me have compassion. When I don't feel like worshiping, I'll worship because you tell me to. When I want to speak and you say don't, I'll close my mouth. When I want to post, and you tell me no, I won't try to couch it in terms that maybe nobody will figure out. Instead, I just won't post. I pray in Jesus' name that we would become sheepish again as our perspective changes from shepherds to sheep. Help us to become content 
and find our resting place. In you I pray. And all the sheep in the house said amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I will let you figure that one out on your own, but it does have uh, some ties to a TV show by the way it's done, so we'll see how, how tuned in the TV you are, all right, so um, Tari got it, so okay, so anyway, uh, 500 times in Scripture, over 500 times, the idea of lamb, lambs or sheep is mentioned. Um, we don't have much frame of reference for that. We, when we start talking about Jesus, we begin to talk about Jesus. And, and I think what we tune into is the concept of Jesus as the lion. We, we, since we're all into like bald eagles and majestic animals, we think of Jesus as the lion and we like that. But we miss the fact that he's also a lamb. I, said, I asked last week how many of you grew up on a sheep farm. And lo and behold, we had one member of our congregation raise her hand. Michelle Ternes raised her hand and said, I grew up on a sheep farm. So, but we don't have that kind of frame of reference. For us, uh, we just don't, it, it's hard for us to understand. And so when we read in the Psalms, in particular Psalm chapter 23, which we're spending time in, uh, because it resonates, I don't know why it resonates so much with everybody, but it does. And we tend to read it. I mean, people that don't even go to church read Psalm 23 at their funeral. Right, well, they don't read it. Some, okay, y'all stay with me this morning. Somebody reads it. Okay, y'all, okay. Just want to make sure you stay awake. All right, so there's this deep, um, it, we just tie into it. I just don't think we understand it very much. We're not as sheepish as we should be. And so last week we began to talk about this, and I talked about this fact, and, and we're going to dive in this week, that when you read Psalm 23, we tend to read Psalm 23 as if it's mainly about us. When the truth is, it's not really as much about us as it is about our shepherd. Of all the Psalms, Psalms 23 gives us one of the clearest uh, and most insightful looks into who our shepherd is and what he does. And so in order for us to catch this glimpse of what it means when, when we talk about giving our life to Jesus, what does it mean? Because in scriptural terms, biblical terms, we would say we've been born into the body. We've been uh, brought into his flock. And, and since we don't understand sheep, we're like, flock? I don't know. I don't, 
I don't know if I'm, I'm good with being in a flock. So what does it mean? What, what does that mean? And so we struggle. Well, this passage of Scripture that we're going to read today helps us understand what we gain. Why is it so important that we're brought into the flock? What, what is this about our shepherd? What's so important about this, this, this Jesus we talk about, that, uh, being a shepherd? So let's read it because I know you know it. And, and it gives us a clear revelation of Jesus' role in our life. So as we read it, don't read it like you're at a funeral. All right? don't, don't quote it like you just kind of, this is one of the ones I memorized in, in Bible quiz. Read it and look for insight into our shepherd. See what the psalmist says about our shepherd. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. Remember last week he said you've got to make that a personal statement. It's not the Lord is our shepherd. It's he's my shepherd. All right, so you can't be sheepish unless he's your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still or quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness, or as we learned it, mercy, will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 focuses on our shepherd. Now, before we start talking about our shepherd, let me just mention this to you so maybe it'll help you understand that we are sheep. Christians are a lot like sheep. We need to understand that because as we begin to follow our shepherd and let him do what he does in our life, you have to come to grips with this concept that you are a sheep. So I don't know that that is as flattering as we would like for it to be because here's some things I found out about sheep. Sheep don't uh, sheep have to be led. There's a reason for that. You fill in the blank. All right? There's a reason they have to be led. Um, <laughs> sheep are helpless in the face of predators. They are weak and defenseless. Have you, I mean, come on. When the lion comes out of the bushes after the sheep, does the sheep bow up and say, don't touch me? No. I mean, he's got like nothing. Nothing. he got no sharp teeth. He's got no knives, no daggers. He is dependent on the shepherd to protect him, right? Okay. Uh, sheep are, uh, sheep have trouble getting along with other sheep. I ain't even touching, well, yeah, I am going to here in a minute. Uh, sheep are totally dependent for their well-being upon the shepherd. They have, the only way they make it in life is if the shepherd does what the shepherd's supposed to do. All right. And then finally, sheep are stubborn. And have a tendency to wander away from the shepherd. Okay, all of that so that now that we, when we recognize our own tendencies, we can also recognize how important it is that we have the right shepherd. We must have the right shepherd. So let me state from the beginning that as we begin to, to go through these passages, that, that all of our reluctance to be sheepish should go away. Why is it? that we, we struggle and we are reluctant to be sheepish. All right, I'm just going to speak for me, and then you can, because uh, I don't want to talk for you. So let me just say it about me, and then if it applies to you, you can apply it and not be mad at me. All right? 
Why is it that I struggle to, to allow Jesus to be the shepherd of my life? Why is it when I read the Psalms and I see in Psalm chapter 23 all the things that the shepherd does for me, why would I be reluctant to let him be my shepherd? Okay, this is about me. This is not about you because I'm stupid. That's why. Sheep are not the smartest animal in the kingdom. All right. Okay, y'all didn't like that, so let me just go on. <laughs> I wasn't talking about you, I was talking about me, because I'm stubborn. I'm, I'm strong-willed. I think I know best. Sheep always think they know best, right? They don't think they need a shepherd. Okay, uh, all right, so since we're like sheep, here's what we discover out of the psalm, chapter 23, about our shepherd. Here is the list, all right? I'm going to read you the list so we can just see it right up front, and you will we'll come to grips with We don't need to be reluctant to be sheepish. Here's the list. This is what our shepherd does for us. He guides. He provides. I can't get no help. He restores. He protects. He corrects, and he connects. When you break the psalm, chapter 23, down to its most fundamental, uh, bottom line, common denominator, and get the list down, that's the list that he does for us. He does all of those things. He does one other that I'm going to talk about at the end, but I don't want to mention it because we get hung up on it, and we don't see these first. We should never be reluctant to follow him as our shepherd because this is what he does for us. Okay, y'all are quiet. Um, so let's take a second look, and let me see if I can break this down to you. First of all, he provides and he guides. I've heard it stated that God will never take you where the grace of God can't keep you. I think the psalmist would say it like this. The shepherd won't guide you to a place where he won't provide for you what you need. He does that two different ways that the psalmist mentioned. The first thing he says is that he, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So in other words, the psalmist is saying he provides for us. But here's our problem. We read Psalm chapter 23 and we, as a frame of reference, use what we're accustomed to seeing around us. So when I read Psalm chapter 23 about the fact that he makes me lie down in green, green pastures, in my mind what I see is the green grass and the green pastures around me. But we've forgotten that, that this passage was not written in central Oklahoma where there's an abundance of rain. This passage was written in Israel where there is nothing, Israel is nothing but a bunch of rocks. Literally, it is one of the most barren, dry places I've ever been in my life. It, David wrote this in the wilderness of Israel. There is nothing out there. It is dry and barren and hot and desolate. Not only that, they have very little rain between the months of May and October. In fact, we, when I went to Israel in October, we went to a particular site where they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And we were supposed to hike up about uh, three miles up into one of the caves and look around. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this was October, mind you, there was a rainbow that came over us. And we were like, what this is, what's this about? And it began to sprinkle. And they said, you can't go hike that because there could be a flood. I'm like, it's just sprinkling. They said, you don't understand. We've had so little rain. They said, this is the first any kind of rain we've had in six months. It is drying. And barren. So we've got to get the frame of reference right. This is not like driving through central Oklahoma where all the fields are green. 
You say, well, what difference does that make? It makes a huge amount of difference because when the psalmist declares that our, shepherds make, our shepherd makes us lie down in green pastures, we fail to recognize the work associated with that. Green pastures don't just happen, they are created. So in other words, when the psalmist says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, you've got to read the backstory and understand that what that means is that the shepherd's done some work. The shepherd went and removed the rocks. The shepherd went and got rid of the, the, the dry ground. The shepherd went and toiled and planted seed and irrigated it. The shepherd worked to make sure that the sheep would have what they need. Okay, so what does that mean? That means he, that, 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 that the psalmist is saying that our shepherd is working behind the scenes to bless us. And I still can't get no help. Help me this morning. You got to think about what your shepherd does for you. We take for granted the blessings that God has given us. We act like we deserve it. We act like we did the work for it. We act like when we clock in, we made all this happen by ourselves. We act like the promotion we got was because of us. We act like the, the bank account that we have was because of us. When all along it was our shepherd working and toiling and pulling strings and doing things behind the scenes to bless us. You need to understand this morning that he has worked the shepherd has worked to get this body ready for you. If you count this as one of the green pastures in your life, and I get to, I, every Sunday, hopefully, every Sunday, I get to run to this place where people love me and people look for me and they notice when I'm gone and they miss me when I'm gone and they check on me and they wrap me up when I'm hurting. That is a green pasture and you need to understand that it just didn't happen. Jesus worked behind the scenes and made this place. He got this place ready for you. If they ever sing a song that pushes your button and blesses you right at the right moment, I was dry and thirsty, and they sang the song, and when they sang that song, my head came up, and I was encouraged. When that happens, you've got to understand it didn't just happen. The shepherd's been working. When one of the messages that are given bless you and change your life and address issues in your life and help you make it in life, you need to understand that doesn't just happen. That's the shepherd working behind the scenes to provide for you green pastures. He's toiling for you. He's working for you. When he gives you a break, when he gives you a vacation, even when you have to go with family. Now, some of y'all don't know, okay. Some of y'all don't. That's, that's the shepherd working for you. See, the, if we're not careful, we have this tendency to overlook the handiwork of our shepherd. And what we need to recognize is when the Bible says, and when we, when we recognize it, he leads me and makes me lay down in green pastures. He's, he's tolling for me. He cares about me. The second thing he does is the Bible says that, that um, the shepherd causes me to uh, walk beside still or quiet waters. You do understand that that is an important statement because here it is, sheep can't swim. And sheep are scared of moving water. They will refuse to drink from moving water because they know they can't swim. If they get in the water and they haven't had their, their wool coat cut down short, they, they sink to the bottom. What what he's literally saying? Have you missed the spit? As as it, I saw it, I saw it. Um, I, what he's literally—I don't even know why I bring that out. I just start giving that to you. Uh, 
What he's literally saying is that the shepherd recognizes the fear of your life. Think about this now. That means the, the shepherd knows what scares you. And he leads you and guides you to places of peace. We know that the enemy of our soul specializes and sometimes we tend to cooperate with chaos. Right? But our shepherd looks out for us and he does his best to guide us into peace. If we would ever become sheepish enough to let him guide and provide, we would start circumventing and walking around chaos and we would land in beside still waters and there would be peace in our life because our shepherd knows what scares us. I love my shepherd because he guides and he provides. Not only that, he restores. Uh, Tari, you were right on, bro. He restores. We don't, under, we don't even understand what that means. Uh, uh, he's, the, the psalmist says he restores our soul. I've been reading uh, authors that have spent a lot of time with actual sheep because I, you know, I, I don't even know anybody that owns a sheep. But uh, the, the, the closest I ever got to sheep was Mary had a little lamb. I mean, okay. Uh, so I begin to read, and what the authors talk about is this. When a sheep eats... It is necessary for that sheep to lay down for its food to digest. Okay, stay, I'm going somewhere. But here's what happens when they lay down, especially in Israel where it's so craggy and rocky and uneven. They have a tendency, if they're not careful, to begin to lean to one side. Okay, that didn't help you any. Okay, I'm going go somewhere. So, so they begin to lean to one side, and the weight of their wool overtakes them and if they're not careful they lean too far and when they lean too far I'm, I'm going to paint a picture of some, some of y'all on Sunday afternoon after a big lunch you lay down and you lean too far and all of a sudden all four legs come up off the ground and they can no longer roll back over see I knew some of you I knew. alright so this is literally what happens they eat so much, they lay down, they get into a little bowl, uh, and they lay down, and their feet come up, and they end up like a turtle on his back, and they literally cannot stand up. It's called, they have a term for it. Shepherds call that a sheep that's been cast. Stay with me. So a good shepherd, after the sheep eat, begins to look and watch for sheep that have been cast. And they go because this is, they go and roll them back over because this is what you've got to understand. When they're in that position, they're totally defenseless and they're vulnerable. They can literally lay in that position. They, they will bleat like crazy for a minute. Then they will just go quiet, their feet sticking up in the air. And they will literally lay there till they die or until a predator comes and kills them. And the shepherd on duty watches after his sheep eats and he recognizes there is a cast sheep and he goes and rolls them over and helps them gain their balance. And the psalmist says that the shepherd restores our soul. Our shepherd is on duty, check this out, and he is watching for downcast sheep. 
Some of you walked in this morning and everything that's gone on in your life has knocked you off balance and you've lost your equilibrium and now you are downcast. You didn't expect the sickness. You didn't expect the trial. You didn't expect the broken heart. You didn't expect the lack. You didn't expect this going on in your life. And now out of nowhere you were doing okay but now you've laid down and your balance is shifted and you find yourself completely and totally vulnerable and unprotected and the shepherd wants wants to come along and will come along and sees you as a downcast sheep and he will tip you back over and he will balance you and he will restore your soul. Listen, this morning you need to understand that the Bible says that God, it, Jesus is the lifter of our head. When I get downcast and all I can see is what's wrong and what's not going right. And anybody else in the room like me that's an extreme perfectionist always sees what's wrong. And it wears on me and it causes me to get unbalanced. And I walk in and every picture is crooked and every chair is crooked and nothing is right. And if I'm not careful, I become down cast but he is the glory and the lifter of my head and when I get my eyes back on him he restores my soul we have a good good shepherd but then he says he does this too and this is where we get a little nervous he protects he corrects and he connects stay with me this morning the Bible says it like this. The psalmist says it like this. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. Okay. All right. So let me see if I can help you this morning. The rod was this uh, short little stick. Because when I, all, all my young days when I would quote that out of memory, the, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I thought, I didn't understand. Anybody just wonder why, what, you got two sticks, what's going on? I mean. Okay, the rod was a short stick. The rod was cut from a sapling, and what they would do is they would cut the, the base of the sapling where the, the roots joined, which would leave, uh, naturally leave a round uh, knob, if you will. And they would clean that knob off, much like the end of a billy club. And then they would uh, whittle down the stick, so the stick part of it, so that it would fit the shepherd's hand perfectly, so they could use it, as a weapon to protect, but also as a means of discipline. Okay, let me help you. Okay, it's like a, it's like a billy club. Um, and so the, 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 the shepherd would learn to throw it with incredible speed and accuracy. There's an author by the name of Philip Keller who was a shepherd, and uh, he spent some time all, going all over the places uh, studying shepherds, and he, he wrote this. He says, uh, I used to watch the African lads, lads having competitions to see who could throw his rod with the greatest accuracy across the greatest distance. The effectiveness of these clubs in the hands of a skilled shepherd was a thrill to watch. The rod was, in fact, an extension of the owner's right arm. It stood as a symbol of strength and power and his authority in any serious situation. The rod was what he relied on to safeguard both his flock and, in, and himself in danger. Furthermore, the rod was the instrument he used to discipline and correct any wayward sheep that insisted on wandering away. I could never get over how often and with what accuracy the African herders would hurl their rods at some disobedient sheep. 
And if the shepherd saw a sheep wandering away on its own or approaching a poisonous weed or getting too close to the danger, uh, too close to danger or some other sort of issue, the rod would go whistling through the air to send the wayward animal scurrying back to the flock. That's what he does with the rod. Discipline is proof of what? Somebody had it. Love. Okay. I, I thought some of the parents would get on. Boundaries are for our own benefit. His rod comforts me. Well, how in the world, man? Anybody ever been disciplined by the shepherd? Okay. Uh, just a few. All right. So let me remind you why this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11. Listen to what he says. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? Now, that's important. I want to stop right there and say that again. This is how the writer of Hebrews starts out. He says, have you forgotten this word of encouragement? This word of encouragement. Okay, I want to make sure you get that. He's saying he's encouraging us by about what he's about to say. Okay, here it is. Have you forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? One version says this trouble you're in isn't punishment, it's training. The normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents lead children to fend for themselves. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? He goes on and he says this. He says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. Wow. I'm going to say that again. If you are not disciplined, then you are not legitimate. Not the sons of God. Did you get that? You're not the true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. May I remind you that the psalmist says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. Can I remind you of this fact? The only way you can get to righteousness is through correction. Because the Bible declares this, every man's heart is evil. And if we are left to our own devices and our own thoughts and our own ways, we will march and live our lives in an evil slant. That We call it being bent towards. We are bent towards evil. But the shepherd, the good shepherd of our life, comes along and he guides us and leads us and hurls his rod at us to stop us in that bent so that we become more like him and become more righteous. See, we don't like to talk about discipline, but I need to tell you this morning, the fact that he corrects you ought to comfort you. Because if he's no longer correcting you, then that means he's turned you over to your reprobate mind and he's let you go. I'm thankful this morning that my shepherd, my shepherd, corrects me 
It's comforting to know that he loves me enough to correct me, that he has my best interest at heart, that he's a father who disciplines, that this rod that protects me, it protects me from, from threats and the enemy and all the dangers, but it also protects me from me. Too many of us want the comfort of the staff, but we refuse the, the correction of the rod. But to be sheepish, we have to let him correct and speak into our lives. So his rod comforts me. But then he moves on to the staff. Now the staff is the one that we're familiar with. It looks like this. It's got the big crook in it, right? This is the one, because this is what confused me. His rod and his staff, this is the only one I knew how to picture, right? But his rod comforts me as well. Let me, let me explain. The staff was this long pole that had a crook on the end of it that, that did this. It brought the sheep to the shepherd. Y'all missed it. Sheep have this tendency, I read you the list, they have this tendency to wander away. You don't drift towards God. He pulls you towards himself. I'm, th I'm comforted this morning that when I'm about to go my own way and mess up, anybody ever gone their own way and messed themselves up? I'm thankful that the shepherd says, uh-uh, you can't get away from me, and he pulls me to himself. He pursues me. The, the other thing is this, is the staff brought sheep together. It connects. See, the, 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 the shepherd knew this, that he couldn't touch the baby lambs because if he touched the baby lambs, they would smell like human and the mother would reject. And so when a baby lamb would begin to wander away from its mother, he would reach out with the crook of his staff and pull that sheep, that little baby lamb, to its mother. He connected the sheep. We have a tendency as sheep not to get along with other sheep. All right, I, this is what we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to stop this message right now. We're going to go around the room. and I, Each one of you, I'm going to give you just a second. I want you to stand up, and I want you to say the name of every person in this room that bothers you. I know y'all acting like y'all all get along and smile. My sister's going to go first. And uh, no, I'm playing because I know who the first one on the list would be. <laughs> Me. And so what the shepherd would do knowing that is he would connect sheep. Listen, you need to understand that some of y'all are fighting fitting in. You act like you can do this all by yourself, that you don't need each other. And the shepherd comes into your life and he takes his staff and he connects you whether you want to be connected or not. Why? Because sheep need sheep. By yourself, you're defenseless. And so he will connect us. So even when we don't want to be in relationship with other sheep, the, the shepherd would push us and connect us. Well, the staff was also used to guide the sheep. This is how he would do it. The, the sheep, I watched this happen in Israel. I, um, we, we were in the Garden of um, Gethsemane, and uh, we were trying to be all spiritual and everything, and there was right down the hill in the little valley, there was a shepherd and a sheep, and they're loud, and he's constantly talking to the sheep, but he also had one of these, and every time a sheep would get where he wasn't supposed to go, he would just reach out and do this and push. He just leaned it up against the side of him, just put it right up against the side of the sheep and push to get that sheep to go where he wanted to go. Keep him out of where he wasn't supposed to be. How many of you know that our shepherd still does that now? He does it with his word. 
He does it with his Holy Spirit. He does it with relationships. How many of you have ever been pushed by God? You're going to be bruised when you get home. How many of you? (laughs) Different sermon. Ever felt, you ever felt pushed? There are times in my life where I just wish my shepherd would leave me alone. But I have to stop and remember, he's a good shepherd. And he pushes me for my own good. There are places I want to go, things I want to do that he won't let me. And every time I start that way, we talked about it last week. Some of y'all have wanted to post on Facebook. And you're about to hit post. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you feel. No, let me hit. Enter, enter, enter. And the shepherd pushes you to stop. Some of you want to say something at work. And the shepherd just comes on and he guides you to keep your mouth shut. When, when we're as sheepish, when we're as sheepish as we should be, we keep our mouth shut. I want to treat people a certain way, but he guides me. The psalmist concludes the info on the shepherd by saying this, and I didn't list this on purpose and I'll tell you why and then I'll be out of your way he uses his rod to staff and staff to correct, protect, connect and direct, right? but then he makes this statement he anoints and I did, there's a whole teaching of that of why they put oil on the sheep's head and I get all that and, and you can go look that up for yourself and I'm not even going to deal with it because here's what I'm concerned about I hear a lot of talk about people wanting to be anointed. Everybody wants to be anointed. But nobody wants to be sheepish. We're all clamoring for anointing, and yet we won't let him guide us. We won't let him correct us. We won't let him direct us. And we certainly won't let him connect us. And I just got a question for you, because I'm like y'all, I want, and I think I'm like y'all, I want to be anointed. But let me ask you a question. Do you need to be anointed? If you're not connected? I hear people all the time saying, I want to be anointed, I want to be anointed, and they won't even talk to anybody. Well, what do you need to be anointed for? No, seriously. I need God to anoint me. For what? You're not connected to no one. You're not doing life with anybody. You don't recognize anybody else's needs but your own, but you want to be anointed. For what? If you want, listen, listen, this is what I've, I I better get to my notes or I'm going to, Too many of us want to be anointed without being led, without being fed, without being restored, without being corrected, and certainly without being connected. I am convinced of this fact right here. If you spend time with the shepherd and you allow him to guide you and provide for you and to correct you and to protect you and to connect you and to restore you, then the the result of that 
is anointing. And we want to fast forward to the end and say, God, anoint me and I'll do what I want to do the way I want to do it with who I want to do it with and you don't have any more say-so because I'm anointed and I'm going to use all that anointing up on me and it's not going to have any bearing on anybody else and it's not going to benefit anybody else. It's just that I'm anointed. And what the psalmist says is that he will anoint your head but it comes at the end when you've already been guided and corrected and connected and restored and then at that moment the product of all of that is anointing. The reason that some of us are not very anointed is because we're not very sheepish. I'm going to say that one more time and then I'm going to close. The reason that many of us are not nearly as anointed as we should be is because most of us are not nearly as sheepish as we should be. And if we were in tight relationship with our shepherd, then anointing will come. So if you want to be anointed, hang out with the shepherd. I can tell you this morning that I am so glad that I can say that the Lord is my shepherd. We say it different ways, but it all means the same thing. He's a good, good father. He's my friend that sticks closer than any brother. Come on now. He's the lover of my soul. He is my king, my shepherd. And I want to tell you this morning that all I want to do is get close enough to him so that at easy promptings, one touch, I will go where he says to go. I get close enough to him that no chaos can reach me because he's taken me beside still waters. I go into a green pasture and I'm enjoying it and all of a sudden in the middle of my meal I wake up and I realize I'm there and I'm enjoying this because of what my shepherd has done behind the scenes and I stop long enough to thank him. I allow him to correct me and throw his rod right up against my stubborn head if he's got to because I know that in that moment he loves me enough to protect me when I'm downcast he comes and brings me balance he's my good shepherd so this morning as uh, Julie if you'll come and uh, musicians come this is what I want us to do I left us plenty of time you'll still beat the Baptists I want us to make sure that we're being sheepish. And the way to do that is you spend time with your shepherd. I'm concerned. Our lives are so chaotic and so crazy. Anybody else have a crazy schedule? I know it's supposed to be like summer and like this is supposed to be the easy light. No, it's crazy, isn't it? Burning the midnight oil. You know who gets cut out on that? The shepherd. And we're not nearly as sheepish as we should be. And the only way to resolve that is to spend time with him. So this is what I'm going to do. I, I left us enough time. Tari will come and close here in just a minute. But I, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning. I don't know what you need. I don't know what your relationship with, with him is like. Some of you need provision. Some of you need guidance. Some of you need protection. You're walking through some dangerous moments in your life.
Some of you need to be corrected. Some of you need to be connected. Some of you need to be restored. What's your need? The good news this morning is that the shepherd is here, and if we spend time with him, he will live up to what he's supposed to do. So as they play, I'm going to put this microphone down, and I'm just going to ask you to find a place, whether that's where you're sitting now and you turn and kneel, or maybe you want to come to the front, maybe you need to get to where you can lay down because he makes us lay down. I just want you to spend some time reacquainting yourself with your ship. Father, this morning as we spend time with you, I pray that we would become very sheepish. We, we desire to be anointed, but we want to bypass all of the stuff that produces the anointing. And so this morning, I pray that as we spend a few moments, each of us in private prayer, I pray that you would reestablish communication. I pray that as our good shepherd, you would try to find those in this room that are cast, down cast, and you would bring restoration to them. You would guide. There are people in this room that need guidance this morning. They're, they're facing big decisions. They're making choices. They need guidance. I pray this morning that you would speak very clearly. Your word declares that your sheep know your voice. I pray that you would speak very clearly. God, if there's any of us in this room that need to be corrected, I pray that we would love correction, knowing that correction comes from love. By the time we leave this room, I pray that we would also be able to say that we're anointed because we've been with the shepherd. In Jesus' name, would you find a place to pray this morning and spend some time with the shepherd?
It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress.
morning, and it is so good to see you. Um, I told someone this morning we're going to charge $300 for the front seats, 87 for the back seats, and we will have them lined out the doors. And I'm going to wear a cowboy hat, and, and it's all good. And uh, some of y'all will get that later. Uh, but we are glad that you are here and uh, uh, excited. Well, I have gifts to pass out today, um, <clears throat> just a couple. Uh, because of the title of my message this morning, uh, as we continue sheepish and the preponderances of peas in this message, I have gifts. I come bearing gifts for the front row. Tari, you're going to need that. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to focus this way so y'all won't need them. Don't feel like it. Ashley, if you could spread, you hey, make your own hole. Uh, you may need that this morning. Um, <clears throat> some of y'all don't know, but you will know in a minute. Just watch the projection. Okay, so uh, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna lean. I'm gonna. <clears throat> you're all right. So 500 times, 500 times at least in Scripture, uh, there is reference to the fact that we are sheep. Um, I wish that Scripture called us something else because I've recognized, as we talked about last week, uh, sheep aren't the smartest animals on the planet. Uh, we have issues because of that, and we try to become shepherds on our own, and we wander into trouble. So 500 times the, the Word teaches us that we are sheep. And so out of that, even though we don't recognize that, because I, I'm still amazed. I asked a couple weeks ago because I thought the answer would be no. I asked how many people actually grew up around sheep, and we had one of our members raise her hand and say she grew up on a sheep farm, I did, or not a farm, a ranch, a sheep ranch. I don't guess you farm sheep, you ranch sheep, um, but I see how much I know about sheep. So, uh, But most of us don't know that much about sheep, and so we struggle to uh, connect with the idea of being sheep. But even for all that, it still kind of shocks me that one of the most famous passages of Scripture in all of Scripture, the one that we seem to like, is Psalm 23. Isn't it interesting that Psalm 23, even if you don't know Jesus, that's the one everybody wants read at their funeral. I, this is not a funeral, by the way. I don't have a suit on, uh, so it's not a funeral. You're safe, okay? So so we've been deep digging kind of into Psalm 23 because I think that Psalms 23 has volumes of truth that we need to know if we're going to be as sheepish as we need to be. So let's go to this passage and read it. Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Remember, he's not our shepherd, although he is. It has to become personal. He's my shepherd. And when he's my shepherd, I shall not want. That no help? Okay, some of y'all must not know him as shepherd then, because if he's your shepherd, you will not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. Has he made you do anything this week? He, he, that's how you know he's your shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet or still waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy, or in this version, loving kindness, will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. Most of the attention in Psalm chapter 23 we think is about sheep. I told you last week it's really about shepherd. Uh, so we get the perspective skewed and we don't understand everything that's being said. So we dealt last week with the shepherd. But there is another uh, truth in this psalm that we tend to miss. 
the, the psalmist takes enough time. He, he, he begins to talk to us. We, we kind of go up past it because he's so poetic and it flows so like off your tongue that we miss what he's talking to us about. He's talking to us about the path, our path. He says it in such a poetic way that we don't even stop and think about it and, and begin to dig into it. But we need to stop and think about what he says because as he begins to talk about our path, this is what he says. He begins to talk about the up and the down, the, the, the good, the bad, the easy, the hard, the pleasurable and the painful moments of this journey we're on when we're following our shepherd. When I'm following my shepherd, there are good moments, there are struggling moments. Okay, I'm, I must be the only honest one in the room. There are days I wake up as a sheep and I gladly go after him because everything is good. But there are other days I wake up as a sheep and I don't want to follow because not everything is so great. Okay? So he begins to talk about the path. And this is the way he says it. He says, he leads me uh, into green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. I'm with him, right? Then he starts talking about the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm not liking him so much anymore. And then he talks about leading me into the presence of my enemies. Now I'm really disappointed with him, right? But, but the psalmist understood that if we are going to be as sheepish as we need to be, then we need to understand something about our path. So I want to teach you some things about the path this morning. The very first thing I want you to understand about the path is this. Our shepherd has a destination in mind for us. We, we always quote this passage of Scripture. I do. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. He orders the steps of righteous men and women, right? So ordered means this. Ordered means to uh, intentionally choose, to select, to line out, to have an end in mind before you ever begin. And so when we declare that God orders the steps of righteous men, we are literally saying that before we were ever placed on this planet, he had an ordered path, a selected path, a lined out path for us. Here's the issue. We think life, or we tend to live life in this zigzag, haphazard, wandering, meandering me me method, right? We just It just happenstance, coincidence, right? And, and okay, and, and we just think there are these disconnected series of stop and sight. But David, the psalmist, he recognized the orderedness of our life. And so he makes this statement, and, and, and this is a key statement. I want you to listen. If you don't hear anything else I say today, please listen to this one statement he makes because it is a critical statement in this psalm that we, we just kind of go past and we don't even think about it. He says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, we don't even understand. We're just like, okay, cool. This is an unbelievably important line in this psalm. I, I prefer to talk about green pastures and still waters. But we also know if you're honest about your own journey, there are also times when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. And there are times that you are confronted with your enemies. And if you skip over this piece right here, then it becomes very difficult to navigate the bad days. He says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. The ultimate sign of being sheepish is to surrender to the lordship of the shepherd to the point 
that whether your path is now a vacation stop or the most painful place on the planet, you recognize that he is leading you. He is ordering your steps on purpose to get you to an intended destination. And the intended destination is righteousness and for his glory. Okay, so the path that you are on has literally been chosen on purpose. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, he had this plan. He had this plan. This was part of his purpose. If we don't keep that in mind, then what happens is we forfeit our destination by becoming discouraged by our journey. Because some of you love where you are in life right now, but others of you in this room hate where you are in your journey right now. But if you understand that he purposely put you on this path, see, aren't you glad I gave you this? He purposely put you on this path, then you recognize that he's got an intended end in mind. Okay, so all of that to get to this. Here's some things you need to know and come to grips with about your path. The first uh, truth out of that understanding that he, he guides our steps and he orders our steps is this. The path cannot determine our obedience. Too many of us never develop any righteousness, nor do we bring any glory to our shepherd because we don't like the path. This morning what I want to say to you is this, is that, that uh, too many of us, will follow as long as it is green pastures and still waters. But as soon as valleys come into view, and as soon as we recognize enemies ahead of us, we will stop and we will quit in this journey because we don't like the path. Okay? So, this is what we've got to come to grips with this morning. The path cannot determine obedience. The shepherd determines obedience. What we know about our shepherd determines our obedience level. Because, listen, I'm just, I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer this morning, but how many of you would be mature enough to admit if you walk after him long enough, there are going to be days where the path is going to take you places that you didn't necessarily want to go. All right, so, so if we make our decision to obey our shepherd based upon the path that we're on and whether we like the scenery or not, then we will come to a place in our journey where we will quit obeying. But most of what, what I am saying to you this morning is we've got to come to this understanding that although we may not like our path, we know our shepherd. The Bible says, even Jesus himself says, my sheep know my voice. But, but that's great. But I... Has anybody else in this room ever gone through a season in your life where you can't seem to hear his voice? So what do you do when you can't hear his voice? You trust his heart. If you know more than just his voice, but you also know his heart, then what you're facing in your path, in your journey, has no bearing on whether or not you are willing to obey. Okay, so, so no one, this is what I know, no one would ever choose to go to the valley of death if they have an option to go to green pastures. Uh, not very many people I know anyway. We will always opt for green pastures. But the psalmist knows enough about our path that he says there's also going to be days where there's the valley of the shadow of death. So what we must do then is then we've got to come to this place where we're willing to follow regardless. Okay? So 
How do we get to that place in our walk with Jesus where we're willing to go wherever he takes us? We come, we've, we've got to come to this place where we are completely set, determined for his presence more than we're concerned about our pleasure. We've got to come back to where Moses got to. Moses in Exodus chapter 33 verse 15 comes to this place where Moses has this conversation with God. And God sees the now three children of Israel. And he begins to talk to Moses about the children of Israel. And this is what he says. He says, I'm going to send you into the promised land. Remember the promised land? How it's described? Flowing with milk and honey. It's green pastures. It's still waters. He says to him, I'm going to release you, and you're going to go drive out all your enemies, and you're going to take this promise that I made to you and your children. You're free. But here's the only caveat, Moses. I'm not going to go with you. Not going to do it. Because of your rebellion, because of your sinfulness, I'm not going to go with you. Do you remember what Moses says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15? He says this, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. I would rather stay in the wilderness and circle than to go into a promised land where everything is easy and, 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 and everything's like I want it, but I don't have your presence in my life. He is literally saying, I would choose a valley of shadow of death over green pastures any day if you won't go with me. And a lot of us in life, if we're not careful, we will choose pleasure over his presence. And then we get pleasure, and we find out that without the shepherd, we're miserable. I got the raise, but I'm miserable because the shepherd isn't with me. I got the relationship, but I'm miserable because the shepherd's not with me. I got what I wanted, but I'm miserable because the shepherd is no longer with me. And so we must come to this place where we become like Moses, and we step up and we sheepishly say, if it's, even if it looks like a promise, and if it looks like green pastures, and it looks like still waters, shepherd, if you're not going to go with me, I refuse to go. Because the path does not determine my obedience your presence does. I'm with you. I will follow you. The second thing that I would say to you this morning about this understanding the orderedness of our, our life then is this. We know we're on, the, how do we know we're on the right path? I, same question I get. It started when I was a youth pastor and young people would come to me and say, how do I know God's will for my life? It continues even to this day. I get it, it, we don't couch it the same way. We say it differently, but it's the same question. How do I know God's will for my life? How do I know I'm on the right path? How do I know I'm doing what God wants me to do? I'm going to help you this morning. How do we know? We know we are on the right path when the path leads to righteousness. I knew I wouldn't get any help, so I'm going to have to help you. Notice the, the psalmist says this. The shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness. What that means then is this, if the path that you are on leads you away from righteousness, then you are not being very sheepish. Okay, some of y'all are not going to like this, but I'm going to break it down really practical. So let me get it like this. If you're falling in love with someone who's not a believer, when you know that the word says don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, then you know 
that you are not on a path that would be ordained by the shepherd because that path is not leading you towards righteousness. I'm helping somebody right now. But we want to act like we, we get a, I, I get an exemption because I've been good all my little life and I happen to fall in love with that person. And now I don't. Be, and we're not being shepherded by the shepherd. We're being shepherded by our feelings, our emotions. How many of you know choosing to love someone is a choice? Okay, so y'all didn't like that one, so, so then you won't like this one. When the word says to give your very best, but you slough off when the boss walks out of the room, then you are not being very sheepish because your path is not leading you to righteousness. When the word says not to worry, but you are stressed out to the point of falling apart, then you know you're not on the right path because your path is not leading you to righteousness. So, so let me break this down to where all of us live because, see, the truth is you can apply this principle to every part of your life, every part. When it's time to spend money, you can say, is what I'm spending my money on leading me towards righteousness? Or is it leading me towards worry? Is it leading me towards debt? Is it leading me to bankruptcy? Is it leading me to brokenness? Is it leading me to pain? Is it leading me to distraction? You can apply it to what you watch. You can apply it to how you use your time. You can apply it to who you spend your time with. Every aspect of our life can be dealt with in this one phrase. Does it or does it not lead us towards righteousness? Because if it is not a path of righteousness, then don't act like you are a sheep following a shepherd. Because the shepherd would never lead you on a path that does not lead towards righteousness. I'm, I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are staring at me mean because you don't like what I'm saying. It's just, I just struggle because I find so many of us are struggling. This, this blows my mind. How many of us in this room have no problem hearing God when he tells us to do something we want to do? I wanted to buy the new car. I wanted to date them. I wanted to be their best friend. And yet the same people that had no problem hearing the voice of the shepherd when it was something they wanted to do, now when the shepherd says, don't do that, or I'm going to lead you away you did not want to go, suddenly we struggle. I just can't hear from God. I think I need to fast and pray. Could y'all, could I get a group together? Could we stop service and have everybody pray for me to hear God? Because I'm struggling to hear God. When the truth is, we just didn't like what he said, which was break up, cut the card up. Okay. We are sheepish, listen to this phrase, please. We are sheepish when we follow towards righteousness. That's how you know you're on the right path. It's whether or not your path is leading you towards righteousness. If it is leading away from righteousness, you don't even have to stop and pray. You don't have to call the elders of the church. You don't have to call prayer warriors. You don't need prayer cloths. You don't need six gallons of oil. If it is leading you away from righteousness, it's not your path. Oh, actually, it is your path. It's just not the path he would choose. Okay. This is the other thing we learned. 
It is the past variety that is designed to produce growth in us. Why would he lead me? Some of y'all need this because you're, you're, you've lost. In the last year, two years, six months, six weeks, you've lost. There's something you've lost. Loved ones, possessions, peace, you've lost. So this is the question that we ask when we're on that kind of path. Why would he lead me into a path that produces pain? That's exactly what the psalmist just says. I wish David would have stopped after he said, he leads me into green pastures. He, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Thank you, David. I love you. I'm a fan. And then he's got to continue. And he brings in the pain of life. Why would the shepherd, the one that we just sung about, that is our good, good father, lead us into a path that's scary and painful and hurts? Simple answer, growth. I want you to notice, if you will, that the rod and the staff that we talked about last week are mentioned only after the valley of the shadow of death is mentioned. You missed it because I missed it for years. The rod and the staff. Remember what what the psalmist says, the rod and the staff they do, they comfort us. But he says, the rod and the staff they comfort us. But he only says that after he talks about the shadow, uh, the the valley of the shadow of death, right? You know why? Because he knows we wouldn't go there willingly. So he knows that for most of us, there's going to have to be some pushing, some prodding. I'm glad I didn't bring the stick today. Thumping, dragging to get us to go into those paths. But I also want you to notice this. Please go back and read this carefully. Comfort is never mentioned in relationship to green pastures or still waters. Comfort is only mentioned after he talks about the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, y'all. Some Comfort is mentioned in connection with valleys. We enjoy the mountains, but we grow in the valley. I knew I wouldn't get any help there. It is the variety of our path that causes us to grow. If we were always on easy streets, then we wouldn't grow. If things always turned up roses, we would develop no stamina. Because stamina is developed in resistance. We would never develop any faith because if everything is always going great, then you don't need faith. We would never develop any reliance on him because if all my needs are always being met, I will take what I have been given for granted and I will think I'm producing those things myself and I will step into the role of shepherd and quit being a sheep. But it is as I go through difficult things that I grow up. But if things were always difficult, then I would not develop any joy. And I would not develop any peace. And I wouldn't know how to rest. So what the psalmist is teaching us is that our path has variety about it so that we will grow. It's the up and down nature of my walk. I know y'all think that a pastor of a church should always be on the mountain. 
I've been on some mountains, but I've been in some valleys. It is the up and down nature of my walk that has produced growth in me. Because when I enter a valley, I learn to rely on him. I need you. I'm reminded that, the, that up on the mountain, I, need, I knew you. But now, this is a difficult moment of life. And if you're only going to show up when things are good, then I'm in trouble. Because everything isn't always good. Don't be fooled. There are people that walk around claiming to be sheep that have a perpetual smile on their face. They act like they've never been through anything difficult. They act like nothing's ever gone wrong. You ever met them? They kind of glow in the dark. You know what I'm talking about? It's like you ask them how they're doing, they're always blessed. I'm blessed. Have you ever met those people? Have you ever wanted to slap? Okay, never mind. Different. That's a different message. Those are not the people that are as sheepish as you think they are. The sheepish people are those people that have been on the mountain, but they've also walked into valleys and they've kept following. They've, they've, they've tasted paradise, but they've also, they also walk with a limp now because they've been through some difficult moments and because they've come to grips with the fact that their path does not determine their obedience, they just keep walking. And you see them experience death in their life. And you see them experience hurt in their life. And you see them experience disaster. And even though they don't like it, they keep following. Those are the people that have grown and that you can trust. The path reveals the purpose of pain. It's growth. But it also shows us something. I'll end with this. I'll close with this. Do you recognize this morning that what this psalm teaches us is this? It teaches us that our shepherd will put us on display in front of our enemies. Are you with me? Okay, I hope so. Because this is what happens. Our shepherd puts us on display so that the enemies of our life will understand that they cannot stop the shepherd's blessings. Okay, y'all still don't have it. So what that means is this. If I'm being as sheepish as I should be, then this is what this means. You don't have to like me. In fact, you can root against me. <laughs> you can set up ambushes for my life. You can lay in wait. You can try to destroy me. And the, and the shepherd of my life, in the presence of my enemies, will spread a banquet table to show the enemies of my life that they should want to have what I have. Because the shepherd's good. Okay, so what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? He will show my enemies that what they mean for harm can be turned for my own good. Do y'all understand that we're playing a fixed game? We win. Okay, I can. All right. So what? What am I saying? Don't mess with me. This is our. This ought to be our attitude as sheep. As sheep, this should be our attitude right here. Don't mess with me. I'm a. Y'all knew I was gonna come back to. I'm a bad man. All right. Don't don't mess with me. Give me a bad report. I'll bounce back. 
Why? Because I know my shepherd. Cut my feet out from under me, I'll hop right back up because I know my shepherd. Do me wrong. You don't have to worry. Don't worry about me because I know my shepherd. Some of y'all going through some brutal stuff right now. You need to come back to this understanding because some of you got your head down and you got your heart down and you got your hope down. And I'm just trying to encourage you this morning. Don't what what your attitude ought to be is don't mess with me. You don't know who my shepherd is. You can try everything you can try to knock me off track. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull back up to the banquet table and my shepherd is going to spread a feast for me. And you thought you had me down, but you couldn't knock me out because I am involved with my shepherd. He want, some of you are wondering why things are going the way they're going in your life and you're wondering why you're in the valley. Can I answer it for you this morning? He wants to put you on display. missed it. He literally is, he ordered, he's picked you out of the whole flock. We would understand this terminology a little bit better. The herd in Oklahoma. The herd. He's singled you out. He handpicked you. He said, this sheep right here, I'm going to take this sheep and I'm going to put this sheep on display because I recognize this is a mature sheep. So even though he walks through the valley of shadow of death, I can put him on display and show all of his enemies. All of his enemies are sitting around waiting on, on him to get mad at God and to get discouraged and to throw in the towel and say, I quit. I used to follow God, but I don't anymore. Now I'm going to turn to alcohol. Now I'm going to turn to drugs. Now I'm going to turn to all this other stuff. And instead God says, now I can trust him because I've watched him follow me all these years, up, down, in, out. It didn't matter which way I took him. He was faithful. So now I can pick him up and I can put him on display and I'll show all of his enemies that there are people in the world that are real sheep it's not just him there are some of you that are real sheep too and that's why God is picking you out of your comfortable convenient life and you go well I don't understand why is everything going wrong right now he needed a display you're the chosen model. Y'all missed my mannequin pose. That was a mannequin pose. He puts you on display. So life has been so good, and now every time I start my car, it won't start. <laughs> That's the Ely household right there. I just Every time I was getting promotion, and now I'm getting passed over. I don't understand. It's like I've lost, lost any favor with my employer. I don't understand. I'm not doing anything different than I was doing. I'm working just as hard. It was easy to make money. Now it seems to be difficult. Everybody I love leaves. And we start beginning, if we're not careful, we question our shepherd. And what we ought to do is go, I just got picked. Tag. You're it. Well, I don't like it. You're it anyway. Tag. You're it. Why does he do that? Because he's tested you. And he's discovered that he can put you out there for everybody to see. And then they do this. They won't tell you, but they do this. I wished I had what he's got. Because I don't think I could make it through what he's been through. How is that possible? 
How are you walking through what you're walking through? I don't understand. And your enemies see a banquet table spread for you and they go, I wished I had that. But you never get to the banquet table if you won't walk the path towards righteousness and His glory. What is going on? What's your path like right now? Is it easy street? Or is it filled with potholes and pain? The truth this morning that I want to leave you with is this. Your path should not determine your obedience. Your shepherd's heart that you know should cause you to say, I'm with you. Father, this morning, in spite of what we may be facing in life, in spite of the pain of our life, in spite of the path that we may not choose, that we would not celebrate on our own, we recognize that it was ordered. It's part of the plan. Pray this morning that anyone in this room or anyone watching over the internet, anyone as a part of this flock that's struggling with the path that's been selected for them, that may be thinking about quitting, that may be thinking about giving up, that maybe has caused them to become downcast. I pray in Jesus' name right now we would remember our shepherd's heart and we would also recognize we would also recognize that we've been selected to put your goodness and your mercy on display for others to see in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me this morning? This is how I want us to do this. I've been praying about this. I believe this is a crucial moment in the lives of so many people in our body. If you're here and you would say, Steve, the truth is, is I'm struggling with the path that's been selected for me. There are some things I'm facing now or maybe I have faced them recently. And I don't like it much. I'm not talking to those of you that are on the mountaintop. Good for you. Really, good for you. I'm glad you're there. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the folks in this room that if they were honest, they would say, this is a valley, and it's not enjoyable, and I'm struggling. I'm struggling to trust my shepherd. I'm struggling to stay the path. I'm struggling. I want to give up. Or maybe you're like what we talked about last week. You're downcast, and you just need somebody to come alongside you that would say, you know what, I, I'm part of this flock too. I'll walk with you. And I'm not the shepherd, but I am a sheep. And I know the shepherd. And I can help you. This is how I want us to do this. You're going to give the altar call this morning. If you would, I want you to turn to a neighbor. It doesn't have to be the one right next to you. It could be one that the Holy Spirit leads you to. I don't care. But I want you to just straight up ask them, are you struggling with your path? And if they say yes, I thought they, they smiled when they came in. 
I asked them how they were doing, and they said, blessed. I know. But now you're asking them to be honest. And if they say they're struggling with their past, this is what I want you to do. I want you to spend some moments, some sincere moments, ministering sheep to sheep. Well, I'm not the shepherd. I got it. But for a moment, you're going to be the shepherd with skin on. Because sometimes the sheep leads other sheep to the shepherd. New Testament, they tell us to bear up one another's needs, to touch and agree. So, Father, I pray we would be honest in this moment. We wouldn't put on a mask. We wouldn't fake it. We would be absolutely transparent about where we are in our walk with you. And I pray that you would position people around us that will respond like Jesus would respond. Jesus' name. Would you talk to your neighbor for just a moment? Come on. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit for just a moment. Talk to your neighbor. Are you struggling in your journey? Is this a path that you don't like?
Father, this week my prayer is this. There are a portion of us in this room that are going to find ourselves led into green pastures and beside still waters. And this is going to be a really, really good week. I pray for us that those of us that are led into that kind of a path, that we would, first of all, enjoy it. And that it would be the, it would be the most enjoyable season. Because there are some that will experience that this week that need to be refreshed and renewed and restored. And I pray they would milk it for all it's worth. They would be as close to you as they've ever been. The second thing I pray over those of us that experience that this week is that we wouldn't forget that there are other members of our flock that are not in that season. And in our own time of enjoyment and pleasure, we would be very conscious that around us there are other sheep that are part of our sheep family that are struggling. And that this is a hard season. And I pray that out of the goodness that we experience and the pleasure that we enjoy, we would reach out to those that are not as fortunate. And we would just remind them, not we wouldn't flaunt, but we would remind them that their day is coming. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Uh, before I get into our message today, I want to just give you a, uh, an advertisement, if you will. I don't do this very often. I'm going to do it this morning. I want to encourage you strongly to be here next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday, we start a really, re what I believe is a very crucial uh, series for us as a body. I think um, as in my own prayer time and uh, preparation time, as I begin to look over uh, what the Lord wants to do as a body for us, that this particular message, as we kind of exit the summer mode and start the fall mode, uh, this one's a really important series that will speak, I hope, to where I sense that we are as a body, and we need to, to uh, be challenged a little bit. And so uh, if you're easily offended when people uh, stand up and prophetically declare some things, then you're going to be uncomfortable. Um, but, but that's where I feel like we are. We really need to hear from the Lord on, on, a, on a couple things. And so I challenge you to pray for me as I try to get that all clear in my own mind, but also uh, be here so that you can hear what God would have to say, okay?
All right. Well, this morning we're going to, first of all, I'm going to adjust this. It's tough. That one, our pulpit's in Florida. So, see? See? Y'all didn't know. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we have been talking about one of the most familiar, famous passages in of all of Scripture. Uh, people that don't even go to church know this passage. Many of them can quote it. Uh, you would you find it in their, uh, most of the time you see it in funerals, and so you got to uh, be careful when, when they're using it because that's the only time they use it. But Psalm 23 is the, the one of, if not the most famous psalm to be written by, the, by David. And so we've been talking about the, 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 the experience of being sheep. We don't understand the analogy very well of sheep and shepherds because uh, that, that's not familiar to us. If you had grown up on a sheep, farm, sheep ranch, not a farm, I keep calling it a sheep farm, it's not a sheep farm, a sheep ranch, then maybe it would, we would clue in quicker. But the truth is, for the most of us, all we ever see is cows. And I'm thankful he didn't call us cows. Um, but he said we're sheep. So what happens is we're not very sheepish. And because we're not very sheepish, we continue to find ourselves in some kind of woolly situations where we're not living as close to him as we should be. And so I want to go back over and read Psalm 23 because the scripture says this, we are the sheep of his field. So we're sheep and that's what we're going to deal with this morning. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, mountain high. He leads me beside quiet waters, mountains high. Right? He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley. Valley's low. We sang Psalm 23 this morning. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy is the way I learned it in this particular version. Loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Powerful psalm. We love it. It resonates with us. We don't even know why. Um, But I want to conclude our examination of this psalm uh, by talking about sheep. See, we've spent some time talking about having the perspective of sheep. We've talked, uh, we spent some time talking about our shepherd and what our shepherd does for us. And we'll talk a little more about that this morning and remind you. We've talked last week about the path. But when you get right down to it, a large portion of our understanding of the psalm, of Psalm chapter 23, is how it relates to us as sheep. The reality is this this morning. In order for the, 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 the entirety of Psalm 23 to become real to you will largely be dependent upon how sheepish you are. How well you sheep will determine whether or not Psalm 23 actually exists in your life. And so I want us to talk this morning is uh, about what it means to be sheep. The first thing that I want to say to you this morning, you already know this, we talked about this, is that sheep are designed to follow, right? We're, sheep have to be led. They're not driven, they're led. So sheep were designed, talking about us, we are designed to follow someone. You will follow a shepherd in your life. You can't help it. We're designed that way. And and, and that's the nature. Our nature is to follow. But this is what I want you to see. I want you to see that the psalmist goes one step further. 
what this passage we're going to um, uh, kind of deal real specifically with verse 5 which says my cup overflows and then verse 6 which says surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What that says to us is this, sheep that follow are followed. Okay, you missed it. So, so everything that the shepherd does in the life of the sheep is determined by whether or not you follow. Correct? We've established that because we said this, that the shepherd does all of these things. The shepherd guides us. The shepherd directs us. The shepherd protects us. The shepherd corrects us. The shepherd connects us. Remember all that stuff we talked about that, that the shepherd does for us? All of that is determined by whether or not we follow. Right? Okay. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate your help. Okay. All of, all of the ability of the shepherds, uh, all of his goodness, all, all the stuff that he does for us, all of his uh, sufficiency in our life is determined by whether or not we follow him. Correct? Okay, I want to make sure we have that established. We talked about that several weeks ago. But I want you to see what the psalmist does. He goes one step further. The psalmist says, now that you are as sheep are following the shepherd, now what you see is that sheep that follow are followed. Okay, let me see if I can help you. All the benefits of following the shepherd are now matched by this. Sheep that are being sheepish should be able to glance over their shoulders and see things coming behind them. Okay. David says, goodness and mercy follow me. Okay, y'all missed it. I'm following the shepherd and he's guiding me and he's providing me and he's correcting me and he's connecting me and he's doing all these things. But David says while he's doing all that, I have the ability because I'm faithfully following. Now I glance over my shoulder and everywhere I walk, I now see that behind me, following me, are goodness and mercy. Okay, so, so I said to you last week that you could determine that you were on the right path by whether it was leading you to righteousness, correct? You don't have to pray about something in your life that's not leading you to righteousness. You don't have to pray, pray about a relationship that's not re leading you to righteousness. It's not the right relationship. You don't have to pray about habits that are not leading you to righteousness. You know you're on the right path when it leads you to righteousness. But now David says that when I'm on the path to righteousness, I can tell I'm on the path to righteousness because goodness and mercy are following me. They are washing up on the shores of my life. So my question to you is this, when you look over your shoulder, what do you see? Because what I want to challenge you with this the morning is this, is that many of you, if you're not careful, you're walking your path and you're living your life and in your wake there is no goodness and there is no mercy. Ask your kids, ask your spouse. What would your co-workers say about your life? What would your co-workers say are, is following you in your life? What, what would the, the people you spend your time with when they're examining your life, can they say, well, goodness, if we read your Facebook feed, 
Don't claim to be sheep if we, can if we can read your Facebook feed and we don't see goodness and mercy following you because what follows you is an indication of who you're following. Okay, all right. So I bet if we look very closely over our life, we would be able to see the times in our life when we were more sheepish because when we look back, we would see that the, the, the characteristic of that period of our life was that there was goodness and mercy flowing out from behind us. But what if we look at your life right now? What would we say are the characteristics of your life right now? And this is the challenge. If you can look back over your shoulder right now and there is no goodness and there is no mercy following you right now, then what that says is you're on the wrong path and you're following too far away from the shepherd or you're not following the shepherd at all. And you must adjust. Following sheep are followed. What's following you? The second thing I want to point out to you is this, is that sheep as sheep are confident and conscious. Okay, stick, stick with me now, because this gets a little dicey here. If we don't read carefully, we miss it. Sheepish sheep are confident and conscious. Now, come back to that statement right there, because that's important. I want you to notice what the psalmist says. He says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. He was confident about the fact. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of confidence. I can be confident and I'm convinced that even when you examine my life and my life doesn't look like it's all green pastures, what I know, whether you recognize it or not, is that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm confident in his steadfastness. I'm confident in his provision, whether you recognize it or not. Sheep is sheep are confident in his goodness and his provision. Surely, I, I can say surely because I'm blessed. I can say surely because I'm favored. I can say surely because I know the shepherd. I can say surely because I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I can say surely because I trust him. Doubt if you want to, but I will say with confidence that surely goodness and mercy will follow me because I know him and I know he's always going to come through. We sing it now. There's never a day when he hasn't been at my side. There's never a day that he wouldn't let me fall. I can say surely I'm confident about his steadfastness in my life. You can be like Job's friends and step to me and try to get me to curse God and curse my shepherd and die, but I'll step back to you and say surely I know I'm convinced, I'm confident regardless of what the doctor says, regardless of what the banker says, regardless of what my boss says, regardless of what my body says, I can say surely I'm come. Sheep as sheep are confident in his steadfastness. But I want you to see this too. Not only are the sheep, not only are sheep as sheep confident, they're conscious. When I read this statement that the psalmist says, surely, I get this sense coming from him. Oh, there's confidence there, but there's also this element of, I don't want to take these benefits for granted. That's why later, and we spent a whole series on this called Loaded, where we talked about the fact that he would remind himself of the benefits of following the shepherd. I remind myself my life is loaded with the benefits of following my shepherd. And, and, and that word surely, it's, there's confidence in it, but it's almost like there's this question where he goes, surely if I remain steadfast, surely if I do that, 
if I'm faithful, if I follow, surely goodness and mercy. There's this consciousness of I don't want to take all these benefits that my life is, is enjoying because of my relationship with the shepherd. I don't want to take them for granted. Okay. All right. If we are going to be sheepish, then we must also remain grateful and conscious of his goodness. Some of y'all look at me like right now, like you've always been as cleaned up as you are right now. And that you've always been this holy and always been this righteous. But sheep of sheep know that I was actually the black sheep of the family. And I didn't deserve any of this. But surely his goodness and his mercy will follow me if I don't take it for granted. And I remember where his mercy comes from. And I remember the grace that's been applied by my li- to my life. And I remember that, that he loved me when I was unlovable. And I remember that he reached to me when I was unreachable. And I remember that the shepherd went out of his way, even though he had 99 other good sheep. He came after the black sheep and said, I won't let him fall. And I won't let him go. Surely. And so I'm conscious of his goodness. And I can stop and I want to give credit to whom credit is due. Because it's all about my shepherd. My cup overflows. Not because I have the ability to fill the cup myself. In fact, just the opposite is true. I can't do this by myself. But my shepherd keeps coming into my life and filling my cup to overflowing. And I have an abundance in my life because of my shepherd. And I want to be conscious of the fact that he did that for me. And continues to do that for me. See, there's nothing worse than sheep who act like they got what they got. On their own. Some of us act like we did this by ourselves. Okay. All right. There is nothing worse than sheep acting like that they got to the pasture they're in by their own wisdom and their own intelligence and their own giftedness and their own anointing. Because the truth is, is we don't find green pastures on our own. On my own, left to my own devices, I find drought and I find desert. But because of my shepherd. So I want to remain conscious and, and, and grateful. See, some sheep, here, here's where I'm trying to get to. Some sheep are confident, but they're not conscious. And also, there are other sheep that are conscious, but they're not confident. Y'all, okay, okay. Let me say that again. There are a lot of sheep walking around that are very confident in their blessings, but they're not conscious of where they came from. And so they become arrogant, and they become ungrateful, and they take it for granted, and they act like they did it themselves. They also tend to become very legalistic and religious because they think of their own efforts. They got to where they are. They got saved because they were good enough. They did enough. No, no, we didn't. But but there are sheep that walk around and they're so confident that they, they forget where it all came from and they're not conscious at all. Then there are other sheep that are very conscious that they got to where they got by the hand of the Savior and the shepherd and they're grateful. But we have no confidence in who we are. And we walk around too timid, too meek, too mild. And we forfeit our destiny. Sheepish sheep are confident and 
conscious. The third thing I want to point out to you is this, is that David ends this examination of the shepherd and, and particularly the examination of his path with a powerful moment and a powerful declaration. It, it, it is, in fact, a decision. He says this, as a sheep, he says this, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What David is saying to us is this, every sheep has a dwell decision. I, okay, this we got to get this. David makes a choice. I want you to remember that in the beginning of this message, I told you that as a sheep, and we're all sheep, as a sheep, we will follow something. It's our nature. That's what we were designed to do. As sheep, we are designed. We can't, it's in our DNA. You will follow something. Some of you will follow football. Some of you will follow uh, fame. Some of you will follow friends. Some of you will follow fads. Some of you will follow all, all kinds of things. But all of us will follow something. Every one of us. Every one of us. Some of us follow finances. We will follow something. And so basically what David is saying is this, when I examine all of my options and all the things that I could follow and all of the things that I could give my life to, when I examine all that and I examine the benefits and I examine the path, I, when I take all of that into account, I've made up my mind that I will make a conscious decision to dwell in relationship with my shepherd forever. See, some folks follow because they're just going with the flow. And some folks follow because their friends follow. And some folks follow because their parents followed. And some folks follow because it's the routine thing to do is to follow. And some flock for favor. And some flock for friends. And some flock for fellowship. But David says there is a decision that we all must make that as, as a sheep, we must make a dwell decision for ourselves because it is not enough to be a part of a flock because somebody else is a part of the flock. You have to make a decision to dwell in the house of the Lord forever on your own. Okay, so that's that moment of I will choose this day whom I will serve. That means I, when I'm in green pastures, I made up my mind I'm going to dwell with my shepherd. Are you with me this morning? Because I want you to catch this. It is my decision to dwell even when I'm in the desert that will determine whether or not I stick this out. Because it's easy to say I'm going to dwell with him when everything's turning up roses. It is difficult to stay with him when it's not turning out like I wanted it to unless you've already made the decision before you get into the desert. If I ever arrive in the desert, I'm still going to stay with my shepherd because I know my shepherd has the map to get me out of the desert. We have to make, okay, so what he's saying is this. I'm in this for life. I'm in this, in the good season, I'm all in. In the bad season, I'm all in. I have made a decision that I'm going to dwell. The shepherd, listen to me carefully, the shepherd cannot make us do this. We said that one of the signs of being sheep is that the shepherd can make us do certain things, right? 
But this is one thing that the shepherd can't make you do. This is a sheep decision. This is not the decision that a shepherd can make. That was good. This is not a shepherd decision. This is a sheep decision. Because if the shepherd could make the decision, how many of you know none of us would ever stray? None of us would ever go awry. But we have the decision to make. So David comes to this conclusion that he is going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I just need to ask you a question this morning. Are you only in this walk as long as it's comfortable and convenient? Are you in this when everything is like a cakewalk? When, when the kids mind, I'm in this. When the dog obeys, I'm in this. When I tell my cat to sit and the cat sits, man, I'm in. I am in because this is like utopia. This must be heaven on earth. Every relationship is working out perfectly. There's no conflict. Every time I turn around at work, I'm getting promoted and I'm getting a raise. Every time I try to pay a bill, somebody's already paid it. I haven't put gas in my car in six months and it just keeps running. I can't figure this thing out. What is going on? I'm not watering my grass so I won't get fined and it's still green while everybody around is theirs is burned to, to, to oblivion. I'm blessed. It's green pastures. But what happens if it doesn't turn out like that? What if every time you turn around it goes bad? What if, what if it is like week after week after week the car breaks down, the police officers are looking for you every time you run behind the wheel? I can testify. That's a whole different story. Pipes break. Kids disobey. Dog ignores you and acts like a cat. Cat, cat acts like a cat. And, and, and things are bad. My question is simply this. In those seasons, will you still dwell? Because since sheep follow, stay with me. Since sheep are designed to follow, if we don't make the, the dwell decision now, when things start going wrong, we have a tendency to go astray and listen to other voices because the other voices will call and say, come over here, there's green pastures over here. This relationship's better than the one you're in. This job has more promise, there's more potential over here. And like sheep, forget this desert stuff, man. And we get over here and we recognize that it wasn't the shepherd and we're miserable. Sheep have to make a decision to dwell. Have you come to the place where you can say, I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. Even if none go with me, and all the rest of the flock denies this and walks away, I am locked on my shepherd, and I know his voice, and he will guide me. And even if he guides me into Death Valley, I will follow 
him all the days of my life. Jesus cannot make that decision for you. You have to make that decision for yourself. I just want to tell you this morning that you can lock the surely in for the rest of your life simply by locking in your dwell decision for the rest of your life. We want goodness and mercy to follow us. That is determined by whether or not we have locked in our dwell. Our dwell. So my question simply to you this morning is this. How sheepish are you? How how sheepish are you? Are you following the shepherd? Have you made the decision? Because see, this is what I know. Julie, if you'll come to the keyboard, this is what I know. Some of you are on the mountaintop right now. And if I was to ask you right now, are you all in? You go, mm-hmm, this is the best I've ever had it. I'd be crazy. I'd be a fool not to be in. But there are some of you in this room that are right smack dab in the middle of a valley. And you got questions. And there are other voices calling for you. And if you haven't made a determination in your heart that I am with him, scenery no longer matters. I am with him. If you haven't made that decision, then chances are you will never exit the valley. So I'm asking you, as we end this series today, I'm asking you to check your dwell decision. What if he wants you to live somewhere you don't want to live for a long period of time? I'm looking at Darren. We have this agreement. One of these days, both of us are going to move out. Not together, because we're going to move out. We're going to move out somewhere in like a cabin with there's nobody within 9,000 miles But what if we don't get to do that, Darren? What if he makes you stay in a job you don't like with people you can't stand? If you haven't made a dwell decision, you'll go postal on them. Young folks don't even know what that means. You're like, postal? What's postal? What if your marriage isn't what you thought it was going to be? Because all you read is the highlight reels on everybody's Facebook with like rose petals and drawn baths and massage oils. And you're like, woohoo, sign me up. And then all of a sudden what you discover is dirty laundry, toilet seats left up. survive and the only way to navigate that I've discovered is this I made up my mind a long time ago 
as long as I'm with him, nothing else matters. Who are you with? Father, this morning, I pray that together we would renew our commitment to you. I pray this morning that as individual sheep, we examine our own lives. Pray the first look would be backwards. Pray that as we glance over our shoulders, we would take stock of what's following us. Father, I'll just say it. In my own life, I certainly see seasons where goodness and mercy reigns. Pray that together as we walk with you that our path would be marked with grace and mercy. Father, I pray that we would become very confident in our blessings, that we would walk into our destiny and our purpose because we know that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't even have to question it. As long as I'm in fellowship with you and relationship with you, those are a given. But I pray that also what you would do is you would turn us into the most grateful, thankful, conscious sheep on the planet, and we would never once take credit for what only you could do. I am who I am. And I am where I am. Simply because of the goodness and the mercy of my shepherd. I didn't do this by myself. In fact, the truth is, is I did everything in my power to mess this all up. So I'm conscious of yours. And out of that track record, and out of your persistence towards me, I make a renewed vow this morning to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mountains high, valleys low. I am yours. I'm yours. I've made the decision. I pray that every person in this room, every person watching over the internet in this very moment would make that decision for themselves in Jesus' name. This is what I want you to do. Whether you need to come to an altar or turn and kneel at your own chair, I want you to take a moment as Julie plays and I want you to make A careful review of how committed you are to the dwell.
I can't make that decision for you. Your mom and dad can't make that decision for you. Your aunt and your uncle can't make that decision for you. There's no other sheep in this room that can make that decision for you. The shepherd cannot make that decision for you. You must make that decision for yourself. Take an account. Review. Have I made the determination? Am I as committed as I was when everything was going great? Am I committed enough to go through bad things? Am I, com- am I going to dwell? asking you to make a dwell decision this morning. Would you take some time? Would you find a place to pray? Just We're not going to linger long. Just, just a few moments to, to examine your own, your own dwell decision this morning. Come on, would you seek His face? It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.